but that's not the situation I find myself in right now. But what I do find myself in is having a heart that looks at the leaders and people who are uh, ruling over us, the government that God has given, and maybe wanting to grumble or complain or not be thankful for the government God has given. So how should our hearts respond as Christians to the government God has given us? Welcome to Life in Christ, a podcast of the Landing Church. My name is Andrew Ross, and I am joined by Paul Anderson as we are digging into the second part of civil government. Thank you again, Paul, for talking and all the study you did into Wayne Grudem's Christian Ethics book. If somebody missed that first episode, I would encourage you, go back and listen to that. There's some foundational things that are in there that will help set up this conversation. But now we're going to be talking about responding. Would you say this is in some ways harder to think through and, you know, in some ways more tricky and difficult? It's not quite as cut and dry? I think that's, I think that's accurate. I think from a practical standpoint, Andrew, I, I always live in the area of it's more difficult for me to get some of the background information. I can understand the application part, but I don't always do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my struggle. Yeah, for sure. So the practical part of it, which we're going to talk about today, um, there should be people nodding there and saying, yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. But then the next question is, so what are we doing? Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. It, Whereas, it, you know, what happened with Noah, what happened with these people, you know, it's a little more to pay attention to and, well, let's, let's, let's comb through that and see what we can find. Yeah. Get yeah. that foundation set correctly. Otherwise yeah. the rest of it falls down. Yeah. It's important. Absolutely. Well, the first thing we want to talk about is citizens should subject themselves to government with exceptions. So think about how we respond. Would you mind explaining and diving into that? What is, how does it look like to subject ourselves? And then what are these exceptions? Yeah, I'd love to. Wayne Grudem does a great job again of laying out God's commands to us as far as how we should live in subjection to government. Mm -hmm. Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Mm. That's pretty direct. Yeah. That's pretty direct. If we resist what our government... I just repeat what's here. Yeah, yeah. If, if, we, if we resist what our governing authorities put in place, Romans 13 tells us we're resisting what God has appointed. Mm. Goodness. So we should subject ourselves to government. That's what we're told to do. Mm-hmm. In First Peter again, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. That's kind of the basis of it. God yeah. has said, going back to the time of Noah, God has said there will be civil government, and here's the basic foundation. I have to listen to the last podcast for that. Yeah. But here's the basic foundation of it, and now subject yourself to that institution that I ordained to have established. So it's not just a matter of, well, if I disobey the government, I disobey the government. There's a, If I'm not submitting to the government, then I, it's a problem with submitting to God. Correct. Mm. Correct. The rub, of course, comes when the government, when a government tells the people that are under their authority, do this, and it's opposed to what God has said, don't do this. Yeah. That's where the rub comes. Yeah. That's and that's what, what we have to be sticky. alert to. That's what we have to be alert to. Yeah. But... 
God, like he always does, he's given us so many examples to look at. We can look back at the Old Testament and even in the New Testament and say, oh, yeah, I got it. I understand that. And this was really a fun part of preparing for this Sunday school class I did because it it really refreshed in my mind Hmm. those things where God had said no. And the ruler of the land said, this is a great idea. Do it this way. God had (laughs) said no. I think about one starting in the New Testament when Peter and John were preaching, mm-hmm. and they were told by the governing authorities, stop it. Yeah. You can't preach anymore. But Jesus had told them, go into all, all earth and preach the gospel. Yep. So they said, we cannot but speak of what God, of what we have seen and heard. And later Peter proclaimed, we must obey God rather than man. Mm. There's the foundational principle, I think, for everything else we're going to talk about. We yeah. must obey God rather than man. God says, submit to the government. But God also says, preach the gospel. So Peter and John, I think they submitted to the government, but they preached the gospel because God's a higher authority than the government is. Mm -hmm. I had mentioned in a previous podcast that um, Daniel is one of my favorites to go to for examples. And in in that book, there's a story that is told, a a narrative that's, that's laid out for us where a golden image is created that provides worship to Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody in the land was told at these appointed times, you will bow down and worship this golden image. Or three young men there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that said, no, no. God has said we should worship him and him alone, and that's what we're going to do. So they didn't. And they were confronted about it and said, here's another chance. Going to give you another chance. We're a benevolent government. We're going to give you one more chance. Bow down. They said, no, we're not going to bow down. We believe that our God will save us. Mm-hmm. But even if he doesn't, we'd rather die. Can you imagine that? I I, I've read stories about, I'll say, modern-day missionaries that have done similar things in foreign countries, but I can't. That, that's, that's amazing. Mm. So they didn't bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar had them bound and thrown into the fiery furnace. And he says, didn't we throw three people in? <laughs> I see four. And I think he used the term, one seems... Kind of looks like the Son of Man. So that's one example where in Daniel, God had said, you'll have no other gods before me. You'll bow down only to me. And these three brave young men in exile in the king's foreign king's court said, no, we're going to do the way God tells us to. Another one that's, that's not quite so, so graphic as those two, but in Egypt, Pharaoh saw that the nation was getting large in number and... He said, this is not good. Soon, I'm paraphrasing, Paul's paraphrase. He's saying, soon the numbers are going to be so great here that we'll be in danger of losing our kingdom. I know what we'll do. We'll kill all the newborn boys. We'll just annihilate them. Problem solved. So he told the Egyptian midwives, when there's an Israeli male born, kill him. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. The hand of God intervened and they didn't do it. They disobeyed Pharaoh and, in fact, saved the nation Israel. Yeah, it says, I think it said they feared God more than yeah. Pharaoh. Yeah, and think about that. I, I should have mentioned that. That's, that's great that you had that because fear God more than Pharaoh. Here's these midwives comparing their lot in life to this man named Pharaoh, and yet they're willing to say, and my guess is they've never seen God face to face or right. see, but Pharaoh, they knew his power and his position, and they said, no, we're going to fear God more than we fear mm-hmm. Pharaoh. Pretty amazing. Praise God. Yeah. Just a couple others that I'll mention real quickly. Esther was put into a position of power through a series of events, and the king was in one sense tricked into signing 
an edict to have the, again, the Jews annihilated. Mm. The law said, you don't come into the presence of the king without the king inviting you. She knew that her people were going to die, and God made it clear to her, no, you go to the king. And she went. She risked her life to save the save the Jews that were planning to be slaughtered by the king. Takes us just a remarkable amount of boldness and trust in our, our, our God to do something like that, I think. One that probably is... The wise men came from the east when Jesus was born, mm-hmm. and they were they were excited. Matter of fact, those wise men. Side note, I believe those wise men probably knew about the star and they that they saw because of the things that happened back in Daniel. Mm. I think there might be a connection there. That's cool. There might be. But these wise men came from the east. They said, "We're here to worship the king." And Herod said, "Who's this guy? I don't know." But then Herod says, "Well, go find him. When you find him, come back and let me know." And I want to come and worship them too. They were warned in a dream by God, don't go back. They went back a different way. Baby Jesus was spared and his family actually went into exile for a bit then. But those are examples of, yeah. of people that stood up boldly and said, I know the government is saying this. I know God's plan and desire and, and instructions to me is that. Mm-hmm. I will follow God rather than man. Yeah. There's a quote from John Calvin that I think is worthwhile reading. It's only... Yeah. only uh, half a dozen lines long, but John Calvin said, but in that obedience, which we have shown to be due to the authority of rulers, that's scriptural, Mm -hmm. we are always to make this exception, that such obedience is never to lead us away from obedience to him to whose will the desires of all kings ought to be subject. Mm. And how absurd would it be that in satisfying man, you should incur the displeasure of him for whose sake you obey men themselves. The Lord, therefore, is the King of kings. If they command anything against him, let it go unesteemed. That one phrase, how absurd would it be that in satisfying man, you should incur the displeasure of him for whose sake you obey man. (laughs) See the twistedness there? Yeah. You know, like God says, don't do this. We obey man and disobey him. No, that you know that's absurd. That's what Calvin is saying. I think it's, it's said so so nicely there. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, there's other examples in the Bible too. Those are the ones that I I touched on. But yeah, um, do you mind if I throw something? At, so I heard this phrase, and I'm so sorry. I cannot give credit to who said this, but it's not for me. Somebody said this, and it, it was helpful in not covering every exception of when we should disobey the government, but maybe giving a baseline kind of general rule. It was this, you must disobey the government when it commands what God forbids or forbids what God commands. Commands what God forbids or forbids what God commands. That's right on. That's bullseye. Absolutely. It's just helpful for me thinking through, okay, that that's a, it's not everything, but it's a good kind of general rule of thumb if drawn from scripture. Yeah. If the government commands what God forbids or forbids what God commands, we obey God, not men. Amen. That's what we do. One other thing, talking about so first, you know, thinking through, God has called us to subject subject ourselves to the government with exceptions. But then also, you talked about Christians should influence government for good. Christians should influence government for good. So, where do we see that biblically? But also, what would that look like? What are some you know ways that we should influence the government for good? Yeah, this is a. This is a kind of a springboard. This is a really a good spot to, to be moving to right now. Um, throughout the Bible, God gives us examples, again in narrative form, of people that he chose to raise up 
to be strong, influential leaders in government. For example, Joseph. Joseph was a, he wasn't even a shepherd. He was chasing his big brothers around who was a shepherd. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And they got fed up with him when he was telling them all the visions he was having and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they sold him into slavery and God had him planted in, in uh, Egypt. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, he ended up, so he was second in command of all of Egypt during a very trying time in Egypt's history. Joseph, even when he was reunited with his brother, said, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Joseph had the opportunity during the time that he was in Egypt to bear witness to his God, to the one and only true God. He was able to implement, I believe, political practices and, and, and policy that reflected who God was and what God demanded. And that was his, his role that God chose for him. Mm-hmm. So he's a great example of mine. Another one, back to Daniel again, um, he was placed in a, uh, again, in a position of authority in Babylon. He, he wasn't at home. Mm. And for reasons beyond the scope of what we can think about even right now, he rose to the top of the list for advisors to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. And there was some, I expect, some pretty hefty brain power in that group. But, but God chose to have him rise to the top. Mm. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar at one point, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Listen to this. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. I don't expect that that's the only part of the discussion Daniel had with Nebuchadnezzar on that topic. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. If he was second in command for years and years and years, yep. I bet it was more like him and I, you and I sitting here and just talking. Well, I wonder, but I bet Daniel was laying out to him time after time, Nebuchadnezzar, this is not what God would want. You know, he was really bold there. He was, he said, he said, my counsel, let it be acceptable. Break off your sins. <laughs> Break off your sins. And then he tells him what to do instead. Wayne Grudem kind of made made this really hit home for me. He said it's the opposite of modern multicultural dialogue. Hmm. Wayne Grudem says it could have gone like this. Daniel could have said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm a Jewish prophet, but I would not presume to impose my Jewish moral standards on your Babylonian kingdom. Ask your astronomers and your soothsayers. They will guide you in your own traditions. Then follow your own heart. It would not be my place to speak to you about right or wrong. <laughs> that's kind of where we go today in so many different circles. Yeah, that's you know? sure. But Daniel said no. <laughs> he said, break off your sins. <laughs> I mean, those had to be chilling words. Yeah. Yeah, break off your sins by practicing righteousness. Well, and it's encouraging even to see that it, it when you talk about Christian influence, the goal isn't to say Christians need to be ruling over everything. Not if God raises up Christian leaders who are, you know, top in command, praise God, wonderful. That's right. But as if the only way God is going to work is if he's going to raise up leaders who are going to be at the top as Christians, whereas God uses the weak to shame the strong. And so Christian influence doesn't have to be this person, because Daniel was very high up, but he wasn't, he wasn't at the top. He wasn't the one making all the, you know, veto decisions. That's right. And I'll add to that, I'll say, when we consider talking to 
our great God, who's sovereign over them, who raises rulers and brings them down. Mm. And we see a man, not identical to Daniel, not identical to Joseph, but a man of that character in a position where they can have the ear of a ruler, mm-hmm. be it a local official or a state or a federal official. God would be honored if we prayed for that person yeah. regularly and said, give that person the freedom mm-hmm. and the opportunity to speak your truth into that Nebuchadnezzar's life. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Jeremiah encouraged people going into exile. Not a pleasant time. You start looking ahead towards being uprooted from your homeland and everything's going to be different. Jeremiah said, seek the welfare of the city where I send you into exile, I being God, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. God wants his people to be praying for the rulers and the governmental institutions that are in the land that he's placed you, placed us. A couple examples from the New Testament that I, I used also. One is John the Baptist. He was talking, speaking with Herod, and Herod was involved with his with a woman that he shouldn't be involved with. And John kept telling him, this is not right. He kind of like uh, Daniel. Yeah. Cut off your sin. Yeah. And uh, it didn't it doesn't seem like Herod slammed the door on him and said, I won't listen to you. But Herod's, can I say wife? Mm. Yeah. Was of that opinion. Mm-hmm. And he ended up, John ended up losing his his life over that. Given the opportunity, she asked for John the Baptist's head to be delivered to her on a platter, and it Mm. was. But John the Baptist was influenced the government with God's truth and God's God's standards. Mm -hmm. And then another one that's a little more obscure for many, Paul was speaking with Felix and Felix's wife, Drusilla, about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. When he did that, Felix became alarmed. That's what the Bible says. He became alarmed. I don't know all the details around that. And he told Paul, go away. <laughs> go away. Paul was bringing God's ethics into that situation. Mm-hmm. And Felix, Governor Felix, said, go away. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. He wouldn't say go away if Paul had said, but whatever you decide, Felix, you know, I'm here to support you. Right. He just said, I like that guy. Keep him along. Mm-hmm. So it don't, doesn't always work out in the short term for prosperity for those who... Uh, speak up and do the right thing and boldly say, I want to have influence here. But obviously long-term, we submit to God and not to men, and he rules over all. And you you wonder how many Christians who have been martyred for their faith have thought back to John the Baptist or Paul or others who you know looked government officials and said, you're doing what is wrong, proclaim the gospel, and we're killed and are home. All of these people, whether they, all of these examples, whether they rise to the level of a high government official or to the, in my book, admired position of a prophet who were despised by the people they interacted with probably. The one thing they all had in common was they knew what God's word said and they knew what God expected of them. And they were not afraid to say, this is what God expects of us. We we ought to be about that. Yeah, for sure. Praise God. Well, one last question to ask you, and it's a also kind of an application, how should we respond? One of the hardest things for me is not so much the thinking, okay, if I'm going to be killed for my faith, am I going to you know, speak or not? Though I would need much grace to do that, but that's not the situation I find myself in right now. But what I do find myself in is having a heart that 
looks at the leaders and people who are uh, ruling over us, the government that God has given, and maybe wanting to grumble or complain or not be thankful for the government God has given. So how should our hearts respond as Christians to the government God has given us? When you ask a question like that, I think first of all about what has God laid out that I need to understand in my entire life as far as his principles for me, how I should live. Hmm. Which ones is he talking about that speak specifically about a brother or a sister in Christ? And which does he speak that involves everybody on the planet Earth? Yeah. I think that, number one, we always speak God's truth into every situation we find ourselves in. Hmm. You had mentioned at one point an unattributed phrase of somebody. Here's another one. Yeah. Some people would say, and I, I would like to think that I'm in this category, I would die for the sake of Christ. The other side of that question is, but would you live for the sake of Christ? You know, I think sometimes those are really two, two extremes of the same continuum. Yeah. And sometimes uh, it might be easier to say, here's my one chance to make one statement, and then I'll go to the lion's den. Mm. It's another thing to say, okay, this is my 47th time I've talked to this guy, and it seems like now is the time I need to talk about this. You know? Yeah. But I think God's truth, spoken in love, is where we go with that. And I think, I think as the midwives in Egypt, I would rather please God than man. I, I don't know how that all comes together as far as grumbling goes. Um, I like to grumble. <laughs> I, I, I find it too easy for me to grumble about something. Maybe not out loud even. Yeah, it's so easy but I, though. But I just, I grumble. Mm. I, I can see a lot of things wrong and I, I could comment on so many things, but... Um, I think God needs to change our hearts. Mm-hmm. It's not us that can do it. Yeah. We can speak the truth that we know of God, but God has to change our hearts. Um, we're a living sacrifice. God is transforming us into who he wants us to be, mm-hmm. and we've got to give him room to do that. Mm-hmm. And if it's the grumbling he wants me to lay down first, then I need to lay down that grumbling, and I need to go back to him as frequently, as often as I need to go back to him to say, I blew it, God. Mm-hmm. I blew it. I'm grumbling again, and I don't want to do that. I want to be your ambassador in this place where you placed me as an alien, yeah. and I want to bear your standard the way you want me to. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, do you mind if I close us in prayer? That'd be wonderful. All right. God, we do thank you so much for the grace that you have given us. We thank you for the grace that you have given those who have gone before us, who have sought to influence the government that you have placed them under for good, Thank you so much for the examples of Joseph and Daniel and so many others that uh, were seeking to influence the government for good, and not just the government, but ultimately to see government leaders and people from all nations, tribes, and tongues believe in the gospel. So we do pray for our government leaders. We ask that you would save them, those that don't know you, draw them to yourself. We pray for those that do know you, that you would give them a voice to influence for good. We pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would lead them. We pray that you would end evil practices and that you would give them grace to give us good ones, good laws, good rules that we can follow with joy. God, we pray you would help our hearts to not be grumbling or complaining, but to be thankful in all things and sorrowful in things that we see that do not honor you. And would you help us to trust in you and your sovereign hand as you rule and reign over all things 
and one day we will look at you face to face, our good and perfect king, and you will reign, and we will see you, and we will enjoy your perfect rule and reign over all things. You do rule over all things now, but one day we will see you face to face, and there will be no more sin and no more death, and we look forward to enjoying your rule and reign in heaven forever. So we thank you again for this time. Pray that you would just bless the rest of this afternoon, bless those who are listening, and help us to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again so much, Paul. Thank you for digging in. It's so good to talk about these things with you. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been a privilege, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church.